Hey guys, welcome to another episode of A Kenyan's Experience podcast. Welcome back. We're here in season three with another amazing and interesting episode. I am here joined uh, by Cynthia, with Cynthia. Uh, English has lost me a bit there. <laughs> I'm here with Cynthia, my fellow co-host. Do you want to say hi? Hi guys, how are you doing? Uh, glad to be back. And we are joined... But with Ivy, one of our guests for today. Say hi. Hi, everyone. Nice to be on the podcast. So, guys, how are we all feeling today? We'll start with our guest. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling good. It's a warm day in Nairobi. The weather has been like up and down. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good today. Mm. You guys? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's also nice and sunny in Sheffield. Um, it's I wouldn't say it's warm, but the landlord finally <laughs> decided to put the heating on, so <laughs> it's warm inside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. What about yourself, Kadoni? Yeah, I'm doing good as well in Nairobi where we, with Ivy, so it's enjoying the weather, enjoying the warmth, and it's going to be a good day. Good day, good episode. Definitely. Yeah. So Ivy, let's get right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you currently doing? Okay. So hi, everyone. My name is Ivy Wamba. I am currently an account manager at a digital marketing agency. So yeah, that's what I'm currently doing. And what does it mean to be an account manager? Um, okay, so how I would say it, how I tell what I tell people is it's like a project manager, but in the marketing field. So my role really involves I'm like the in-between person between all the creatives. That's your graphic designers, your copywriters, animators, videographers, etc., and the client. So um, I, I bridge that gap between the two. So I'm the project manager. The briefs come through me, and then I brief my team internally. And then um, the brief comes. I mean, the whatever they do their output comes back to me i have a look at that and send it back to the client my role also has a bit of strategy involved so digital strategy um yeah that's like the long and short of it nice and so how would you say you got there to where you are right now um so if you can we usually started off with like a story from like the beginning so you can pick it up wherever you want to uh, and that everyone know okay from the beginning it's a long 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 story <laughs> um, <laughs> okay so let's start from when I was really little um, I have always wanted to be an architect interestingly enough um, I guess that comes from my dad because my dad's an architect and so I just grew up and I, I think I just wanted to be like him um yeah so throughout everything high school primary that's what i knew i wanted to do and then i went to uni um before okay so i wanted to study um architecture but i um my parents suggested that i do it abroad and i was of course down for the idea um so i applied to two unis one in south africa and one in malaysia um somehow i think the south african system needed me to do matriculation um so i couldn't go directly with my grades from kcse 
um yeah and then the malaysian system was accepting so i could go with my grades from kcse directly i didn't have to like do any gap year and so i chose to go to malaysia and then visa issues came and i waited almost a year before I could go. So what I decided to do is because I had already been accepted to um, UON, but to study something different, um, design, um, I just went. I went to UN. I did design. Um, usually in the first year, you all, you're all in the same class. So fashion designers, graphic designers, interior designers, which I guess is what I wanted to pursue, kind of pretty similar to architecture and even if I did the architecture I know I was leaning more towards the interior design part so I decided to go to UN and then after my first year my visa finally came and I went to Malaysia Um, yeah then studied in Malaysia the system there um, is three years for your undergrad and then two years for your master's so I did my three years and graduated um and then i think i just had a big life shift like i started thinking about oh my gosh is this what i actually want to do after my graduation which was really weird for me because i'd always wanted to be an architect so i'm like what is going on right now i can't i don't understand what's happening um so how the system works is you do three years and then you have to do an internship and then you can apply for your master's. So I worked in Malaysia for four months. The, the internship is supposed to be six six months. So I worked there for four months and then I came back and worked here for um, two months as I was applying to go back. And then I applied um, now for my master's and the uni I applied to was only taking 10 people for the master's program. And then I applied and I got in and I was the only African that was picked in that class. But I was applying for um, my master's in architecture only because like at the back of my mind, I knew, I I didn't know whether it's still what I wanted to do. But then I was like, I don't know what else I want to do. So I might as well just finish this architecture thing and then I'll figure it out along the way. So I applied and I think when I got in, I was like, okay, I've been picked out of 10 people. I guess there's something here. So let me just Mm -hmm. go do my master's in architecture and then um, see how it goes. So I went and then the first day I went now, I was in a different uni from where I was doing my undergrad, but still in Malaysia. And the first day when I was registering, I was like, oh my gosh, no, I feel like this is, I I don't know what I need to be doing, but this is not it. And I actually called back home and I had a whole breakdown and I was like, I I don't know what I want to do. So what my parents told me was uh, do the semester. And then if you're still really feeling like this is not what you want to do, then um, it's fine. We'll figure it out so that's what I did and I think that was good because um, it allowed me to change but know that this is really not what I wanted to pursue don't get me wrong I love architecture I just I don't know there's just something in me that I was like this is not it you know this is not the path for me Um, so yeah I did the semester and then I finished and I was then sure 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 that I didn't want to continue with my master's so I decided to do an MBA in project management um, because it 
was pretty general. And I think um, I think I'm a, like project manager at heart. Like if we're having events with friends, I'm like the one who manages everyone and everything. So I was like, yeah, sure, let me go do this and I'll figure it out along the way. Um, so I did that, graduated and absolutely loved, 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 loved my master's. Um, and then I came back home just when COVID had hit. So it was, well, a few months after COVID. So I graduated in December of 2019 and then um, came back in, I think, March of 2020. Um, and then when I got back, I took a bit of a break. Like I was um, kind of just figuring out everything and just being back after seven years. Um, I mean, I used to come back every year, but now I was like back, back for real. Mm-hmm. So I then made an, no, I called a friend of mine whose dad worked as a project manager in a bank. And um, I was like, he knew I was, I was studying project management and he told me like if you ever come back and you're looking for something if you have an internship or something just reach out and we'll see what to do so um i reached out to my friend and she tells me that her dad is no longer working in the company but there's a company that she was working for um that is hiring for an account manager no an account executive at that time so when she sent it to me, I was like, I, okay, I've not studied accounts. I don't know, like, <laughs> what is this account uh, executive thing all about? And then I Googled it and I realized, interesting, it's actually like a project manager, but in a marketing agency. And now when I was doing my MBA, funny enough, marketing was like my favorite um, module that I did. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me apply. And I did. And that's the first application that I made when I got back and I got in. And um, in a year, I was then promoted to account manager with like zero experience in marketing. But yeah, that is how I'm here. And I absolutely love it. I mean, we can definitely yeah. hear it from your voice, just in it's true. it comes out. When you started talking about architecture, you're like, hey, and then account management, you can sort of like hear the excitement. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask, like going all the way back to the beginning, um, when you were first applying to go to Malaysia, because I completely agree with like sort of like the visa application process. So I had a lot of help from my university, University of Newcastle with visa applications. Like I literally just... like scanned over like my passport and stuff and I think if I didn't have them it would have been very very difficult because the Malaysian system for those who are considering going is very strict in terms of who they allow into the country and I would say in some respect probably stricter than the UK in some ways like there's a lot more hoops to jump through in the sense that the government really scrutinizes I think especially Africans um, really scrutinizes who comes into their country And so my Nigerian brothers and sisters can definitely agree because I know they have it really (laughs) rough. (laughs) Um, But so, yeah, during that time when you were, you know, obviously you've been accepted into university, you're thinking like, this is definitely what I want to be doing. What was it like waiting for a whole year? Because I would imagine for some people, like I hear all the time, oh, yeah, you know, I was accepted, but I had to wait or like, you know, things didn't go according to plan and they just gave up and they're like, you know, what, maybe this isn't for me. And they think that's the sign that actually they should stop when really it's a sign that maybe you should keep pushing and just see if this is for you. So what was it like for you in that year? 
Um, I'd say it was definitely frustrating. Um, for one, I think my dad and I used to go to like the, so I, I applied using Education Malaysia. It was somewhere in town, somewhere there. And we used to go there like literally every morning to ask them, okay, so what's the progress today? <laughs> and what's the progress today? Every single day, or at least every week we were there. It did help that I was doing something else, which was kind of like my plan B now at UN. So I was like, you know what, if this doesn't come through, I could still pursue this thing um with i mean through this degree at you and and i'd still be fine with it so it did help that i was doing that and enjoying it as well but it was definitely long and frustrating like when the visa came the excitement that everyone had was like oh my gosh finally <laughs> finally yeah so I, I mean, I think I'd also tell anyone who's facing those hoops, just just keep at it, just continue. It's not, I mean, the visa is just like one stumbling block, but that doesn't mean that, you know, whatever you're going after is not for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Fair enough. Well, I don't know if, I mean, I know I would be able to wait for a year, but I think I would also be frustrated and be like oh, yeah. every week. It's like when KPLC turns off the lights and they're saying, oh, we'll bring them back. And you're like, when? Call them every hour. When, when, when? That would be me. <laughs> when is my visa coming? So how yeah. did you find out about Education Malaysia? Because I actually haven't heard of them before. Yeah, same here. Mm, I think, okay, so I had a cause another cousin who'd been in malaysia for years he'd studied there for like he studied there and he worked there i think for years i think he went there when i was probably just finishing primary and if i'm not wrong he's the one who mentioned it to me um okay. yeah i i think that's how i found found out about them okay cool and what was yeah. the process like when you actually went to education malaysia because when so okay how, what was that like process like but also why choose malaysia over like you know the uk is more popular and you know like oh the states for example because malaysia is far like we both know yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it takes you so long like my parents didn't appreciate how much how far i used to travel until they came for my graduation and i mm. saw the whole holiday we were just half asleep because they were so tired <laughs> so why yeah, like why malaysia and what was the process like going to education malaysia Okay, so Malaysia was random, if I can say. I think um, when the whole idea of going out came, um, we were, number one, looking for a place that was a lot more cost-effective, like the UKs and stuff, which I think, Cynthia, you talked about in your episode. Yeah. Malaysia is definitely a lot cheaper than these other countries. And then... Um, I, I mentioned that I had a cousin who'd been there for years and even worked there. So by the time I was applying, he was already working. He'd studied there and he was, he'd been working for years. So I think that's how the idea came up. And he got in because he got a scholarship. I think he was in St. Austin's and he got a scholarship from basketball to Malaysia. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's how we're like, hmm, so... Um, your cousin is there. Maybe we should look at what Malaysia is like. So the options were either Malaysia or South Africa. 
Um, yeah. And I mentioned South Africa because of the whole system and now getting in with my Kenyan yeah. grades, I'd have to do like the gap year. Um, I think I also picked Malaysia cause it was different. Um, SA is like, yeah, it's within the yeah. region. I had mm-hmm. no idea what to expect, but I was like, I mean, it's all the way out there. The culture is different. The people are different. So let's go figure out what Malaysia is like. <laughs> Nice. When you said Centos and Skadoni and I were just like, what? <laughs> we were Saint Austin's yeah. alarm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's actually how we met. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Small world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like what you said about, you know, wanting to go to Malaysia just because it's a, a bit further away and it's a different culture that just shows that you are ready to just dive into something new and take in that whole experience I like that very open yeah I mean that's for sure and I think if anyone asks me today that was like my best life experience I feel like I yeah. grew up um, I was independent there you know you have to start like looking for a house and moving from one house to another one and paying your own bills and stuff um, so I think, I mean, I'd also tell anyone, like even parents who are watching this, if you have the chance to like, that your kids go study, study abroad, do it. Um, they learn so much, meet people from all over places you'd never even think of, you know, and it really opens up their mind to just think about life differently. Wow. it's powerful. I don't think anyone has ever given a message to parents before. (laughs) Just saying, just saying. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think especially if you're thinking about a safe place to take them, I think Malaysia is a pretty safe place to take your kids Um, in comparison Mm -hmm. to the UK. I mean, the UK is safe, but in the sense of like the people that you have around you, people tend, it's a very conservative Mm -hmm. culture in Malaysia. Um, and, and I think if you're particularly worried about your children sort of like getting influenced, like not like there isn't drugs and like clubbing, especially in KL. But I think I found specifically for me in Malaysia, coming from the UK to Malaysia, I really found myself, I was really able to focus on myself as a person more than I could be in the UK. Um, yeah, I don't know if you would agree, yeah. Ivy. Totally agree. I know it's like a weird place when you tell me. Mal- people you studied in Malaysia they're like what (laughs) where is that but definitely definitely agree I mean um also I think it I guess when you say conservative because of the religious aspect of the country there's a lot of Mm -hmm. like things they stop you from doing but then there's also a lot of freedom to really travel to explore and because it's not as expensive you then have the ability to do these things fun stuff um that's not like dangerous exactly (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) yeah did you get a chance to travel and where did you go to I did. I traveled so much. I went to Langkawi like six times. Um, (laughs) I went to Melaka. I went to Penang. Where else did I go? Gosh, I've forgotten now. Um, It's been a while. It's been a while. I I went to Singapore actually twice. Um, Where else? Where else? There's a place called Port Dixon, which wasn't too far from where I used to stay. Like, uh, it was like a little beach like two hours away from where we used to stay um 
yeah, I think that's pretty much it. But even within KL and everywhere, yeah, mm-hmm. I, 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 I really did. And when you were in Malaysia, what was it like? Or was what was it like for you when you first landed? Because I can, I think we can relate a lot. I mean, I went all the way to Johor, so it's obviously yeah. not as diverse as um, where you were in Selangor. But what was it like for you when you first landed? Because that was some years ago, as well. Mm-hmm. That was 2013. I was a baby. I was a baby. <laughs> um, I think, okay, the first thing I can remember is like when those airport doors open and the heat hits Ooh. your face. Uh-huh. You're, like, I don't think anyone is ready for that heat <laughs> and the humidity. It's not even like Mombasa heat. It's it's something else. It's, yeah. it's, wow. it's really something else. So I think that's my first experience of landing and oh my gosh, I'm actually in Malaysia, that heat. Um, Aside from that, I think people were really nice. That's what I'd say. Like the theme that cuts across for me was, okay, most people are really nice. Like 90, 99% of people are really, really nice. So yeah, the, the culture I think was different. The food was different as well. And then you have the different choices between like the Chinese food and the Malaysian food and the Indian food. And, you know, that's also different. Um, yeah, I think it also helped like for me that I was in an international university. So um, I, I know I've had stories of some people who went to Malaysia and maybe didn't really like it because they were like maybe the only black people in their class and stuff like that. And uh, but for me, because I was in an international university, I you know I had people from like more than 150 countries um, in my uni. So um, it was the culture as well was not just the Malaysian culture, but I think I was also exposed to the culture from like all over the world, like the Arab countries and the European countries and all of that. Yeah. That's really amazing. You know, sometimes when people think about going to university, they mostly think about what they're going to study and how Mm. they're going to get through the number of years and they forget about the other experiences. And so just to hear that you are exposed to so much more than just the studying is really just amazing because when else you know when you're young would you get that opportunity yeah exactly so 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 true yeah Yeah. exactly i'll tell people sorry Mm -hmm. i was just gonna say i'll tell people as you're looking for universities just consider as well things that you can do outside of just studying as well that can open your mind up and allow you to learn new things like you don't have to agree with everything but as long as you're exposed and you're learning something new then it does make a difference. I 100% agree. And I think mm. in regards to sort of like the thing about race as well, I think a lot of people would look like, would look at maybe, you know, going to South Africa or going to the UK, there's more black people there. But then if you think about it, you're a different black person, if that makes sense. So like just because there's more black people in the UK, for example, at the end of the day, you're mm-hmm. Kenyan and they'd be like black British. So like that was my experience when I first came to the UK. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, there's like other black people. But then the minute I talked to them, I'm like, I don't think we have anything in common um, yeah. other than the fact that we have the same skin color. And I think it would be the same thing going to SA and maybe even worse in SA, to be honest, just given the like massive diversity there and the fact that people are really with their culture. Whereas like when you go to Malaysia, 
it's like you have the ability to sort of like recreate yourself because you're like one of few black people and you're not so attached to sort of like your identity as a black person which i know sounds a bit like paradoxical but it makes a lot more sense when you're in that situation it's like when i was in malaysia like i come i i'll just like forget that i was black you know because people are so diverse you know like you just be like you're like, I only remember when, like, for example, I'm like, there's nowhere to do my hair or, you know, right. I don't know if you're into makeup, maybe that there wasn't your skin tone or, you know, something like that. But uh-huh. like, this is not 2022, so that's not the case. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like Gadoni was saying, it's just just think about the things that you can do and the different things you can experience as opposed to trying to yeah. be in the same place as well. Um, with regards to finding as well, like other things to do outside of work. Like, that was my reason I came to Sheffield because I was like, it's a great place to work, but at the same place, there's so much stuff I can do outside of work as well. And that's why I chose mm-hmm. this place because, yeah, you're in school and you're at work, like, most of the time, but it's those bits outside of work and studying that really make your experience worthwhile. 100% agree with that. I mean, I can totally relate with where you said you forget that you're Black. Um, yeah, because there's everyone from everywhere. And so you're just, you, you, I think you're allowed to be an individual within the mix of, I mean, everyone that's there. You really forget that you're different. I mean, you're, you're, I think your experiences and your differences in culture connect you to other people. So yeah, 100% agree. Um, okay, so I want to take us back a little bit as you're sharing your story. You said you did architecture for your undergrad, right? Yes, so yes. We hear a lot of stories like people in JCOT who are doing architecture, like they just study all the time. They are always busy. It's always tough. Was that the case for you? Um, I think I would say yes and no. It depends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the system there allows you to be busy, but then still have a life. Um, so like, especially towards the end of the semester when it was your studio time and all that, it was really, really busy. Like I remember days when I'd like, you know, not sleep and pinups and all of that so it did get busy and um I wouldn't like say I paint a picture like oh it was all nice and flowy and (laughs) all of that it was busy and it was tough um but then within that I think it's also a personal decision to be able to plan your time properly and you know find little pockets where you can enjoy within the busyness Uh, for me it also helped because i was in class with other kenyans so we were able to some of who were family (laughs) um, so we were able to um, you know work together or do our assignments together which then made it not just like boring but Mm -hmm. fun within the busy times it was there was also some fun so yeah it's like you're in this together (laughs) exactly exactly because we would sit up like even the nights doing work together and it would be it would be exciting um i think that's another thing like find your community find people who you can even if you're in class with you can um have fun with so it then doesn't become dreadful right yeah like a chore exactly exactly 
So guys, I didn't say in the beginning, Ivy is one of my many cousins. <laughs> one, one of many one cousins. One of the very many cousins <laughs> we have. And so yeah. um, you were also in Malaysia with a few other cousins. Of ours. We have, of yes. ours, right. What was, it, what was it like having like familiar faces around? Did it? I know there's that comfort, but did you ever feel, it might be a bit of an awkward question to ask as well, but did you ever feel like it maybe hindered your opportunity to get to know others because you're like, oh, these are my people, let me just stick with them? Or did you, despite that, did you, well, like, let me just go meet other people, learn from other people? What was your okay. experience like? So I think for me, because I was the only girl out of these cousins, so we were mm-hmm. four of us, there were three boys and I was the only girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe that allowed me to be able to find other friends, especially okay. girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it I, I mean, I don't know what I would have done without them. By the way, shout out to you guys, Henry, mm-hmm. David, and Walter. It was really the best time having them around. I really never felt homesick because... They were there, you know, right. some of them were in class with me. We were in the same uni, so we would mm-hmm. um, maybe live within the same residence. I never stayed with them, like in the same house, but we lived around the same residence. And it mm-hmm. definitely helped that I had family there. I know a, a bunch of people who may not have had people and it can get really, really lonely. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I'm just thankful that I had them with me but at the same time I don't think I'd say that that hindered me because um I I made other friends I made other friends out there I made Mm -hmm. um friends with some of my classmates and especially when I'd gone to do the one semester I wasn't with them I was in a a different uni different uni different city so I did make a lot of other friends there yeah Um, you mentioned also having a few or meeting a few Kenyans. Was there a huge Kenyan community um, in Malaysia or rather where you were specifically? Yeah, so where I was, there were quite a number. I mm-hmm. We were quite a number. I was actually pretty surprised when I got there about like how many Kenyans were there. A lot of them, interestingly enough, were also studying architecture. So I don't know <laughs> if it was a thing. I, I don't know. But yeah, there were quite a bunch of kenyans out there yeah and as as well as other people from different african countries like Mm -hmm. um, zambia zimbabwe um what else can i remember everywhere tanzania uganda um yeah literally people from all over the place nice (laughs) yeah you mentioned that there were that architecture was tough i mean the fact that you said that there were times you didn't sleep which i think is like a tendency as like a university student in general you leave things last minute but i've also Mm -hmm. heard like some pretty you know tough stories about architecture and i think usually when i think of architecture i'm like it's very it resembles a lot to medicine where it's constant work all the time because you have to work it's more of like a skillful um career path more than anything i think a lot of other degrees are very theoretical so I think architecture mm-hmm. is one of the ones that tends to be forgotten in terms of like skill, like engineering, medicine, et cetera. And so what was it like for you in terms of like, where would you draw the line? Because I think a lot of people, when they think about such like, let me say like tough degrees, they find it really hard to sort of like draw the line between like studying and having that work-life balance. I think in Malaysia, it's quite easy in the sense of like, it's sunny all the time. You want to be outside having a good time. It's cheap as well. But what mm-hmm. are other things that helps you sort of like 
balance if you I, don't, I hate the word like a work-life balance but you know find sort of like the boundaries if you will okay um i mean i think for me like i mentioned i'd always wanted to do this so while i was doing it it was that thing of i mean i can't afford to fail i can't have come all this way to fail you know so i think that's one thing that grounded me um but secondly as i'd say as i'd said um having your community or good a good group of friends like not all friends are good or the best for you but having a good group of friends who um, also don't want to fail but also want to have fun at the same time you are able to um, really find that balance if you can say so you're in the same class but then you have work time and when you have um, chilling time you're all chilling together you know so having that group of friends or having that community of people around me, I think definitely, definitely helped. Yeah. I remember when I first went to uni as well, all the international students, we'd all be, we'd all be like, look, guys, we're all in the same boat. We don't know anything that's going on here. So let's focus on our studying when it's studying time. And then when it's time for fun, let's go discover together. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even now, as I've moved, um, you know, countries, a lot of people I work with have moved, you know, just um, cities as well, just within the UK. And we still do the same thing. It doesn't change because like we're fully grown people. But because we're all new to the city, we all just sort of like stick together and vibe together. We still have like obviously our own friends and stuff in our communities, but it's still very much the same. And I don't think it changes as much. I think as you get more comfortable you start to vibe a lot more with sort of like the locals. Um, and I mm-hmm. think in Malaysia, it's very easy to get to know the locals because they're so open and really just want to know more about you as well. Yeah, totally true. I think for me, my experience a lot with the locals was, yes, in class, but also in church. So I found like a really nice church in Malaysia where, I mean, people were just so nice, you know, and they'd want to travel with you and go places with you. So Definitely, that helped so, so much. Wow. I had the exa- I'd say I'd have the exact same experience. I had some, I think there was one day I, I was running, I had to run home because I had a grocery delivery coming from church. And this guy just offered to drop me home. Never met the guy. I mean, obviously, this was dangerous in hindsight. But, like, just the fact <laughs> that he was Malaysian and that was, like, the, just the way people just were. People just offered uh-huh. to drop you home whenever. And, like, uh-huh. he didn't live anywhere around me. But he just offered to drop me home. And that's just the culture in Malaysia in general. Um, yeah. And so, Ivy, you were there for seven years. I was there for five. Seven and, years. Mm-hmm. And for me, to be honest, like, I have a, a good friend. She's Malaysian. And I always tell her, I'm like, I'm, she's like, you're pretty much Malaysian just because of how much I talk about it, how much I miss it. Like, yeah. I was looking for a Tom Yum paste on Amazon night <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I just miss the food so much. What was it like for you? Like, do you still feel a connection to Malaysia considering because I think because it's so far from home compared to like the UK and stuff and like you have to take like three different flights sometimes to get home did you really find yourself making yourself at home in Malaysia and sort of like considering staying there long term um yes I think Malaysia is like my second home it has a really special place in my heart because I feel like I grew up there like I've literally lived most of my adult life there I went there when I was 19 and you know I left seven years later so 
definitely like i love that place i'd go back anytime um it's it's a it's a beautiful place but they, even if it's just for like traveling if you've never been there go to malaysia please it's fun um yeah i think i forgot your last question i also forgot my last question no sorry okay. <laughs> did you uh was it easy for you to consider yourself sort of like staying there long term okay so when i first went i think the plan was always to come back um my parents also did a really good job of allowing me to come back every year and like you know paying for my flights and everything only so that i can be connected here in kenya so i think initially even like when i first went the plan was always to come back um i would definitely i had definitely considered staying um but i also think maybe okay i don't know if that's if it's the same as your experience but for me i felt like sometimes looking for jobs within the malaysian system is not as easy now after uni and you know getting like citizenship and stuff like that it would not be as easy so i think when it was time i just decided to come home and do what the original plan was it did help again as i said that i came back every year so i met my friends every year when i was back so it wasn't really a hard transition or i didn't really feel like oh my gosh i don't have anything back home um i i felt like even if i came home i would be at home you know yeah mm-hmm. No, agreed. Yeah. No, it was exactly my same experience. When I first landed in Malaysia, I was like this place is dope. I think I want to mm-hmm. stay. And then you start sort of like becoming a bit more realistic about it and just start thinking about the job process and then citizenship like you said because there's no point of staying somewhere and, you know, if you're not going to get become a citizen. And so yeah. in Malaysia for those who are listening, you can't become a citizen unless you're actually born and raised. So like I have friends who are not even raised, born there. have friends who've lived there since literally since they were a child and they're still not citizens to this day they're just residents and it's because Malaysia is very very strict on that as well and i think yeah. even if your parent is malaysian i think if you're not born there it's a bit more difficult like it's not as straightforward as if you're to live somewhere else and similarly with becoming a doctor as well and like working there as a doctor it's really tough to get a job i think you'd rather just leave the country specialize and come back but again you're unlikely to become a citizen of the country and Malaysians have a very strong passport if if anyone is doubting that the one day that i found out that Malaysians can just go to the uk whenever they want in any when the world i was so gobsmacked i was just like i thought we were on the same level guys i felt so betrayed <laughs> i would like i was so salty yeah. i'm still so salty to this day but yeah no Malaysian uh, passport is really strong so i agree Oh, just hearing you guys talk about Malaysia, I'm just like, hey, I need to make my way there. You just girl. to see what this is all about. <laughs> I definitely do. We can do like a girls trip or something. Go back to Malaysia. I'm down. Love a girls trip. Girls trip. <laughs> <laughs> Always down for a girls trip. Mm-hmm. Um so just now going back to your story, you said you wanted to do architecture. You think mostly because of your dad did you ever consider any other courses i actually didn't i think I, it's just what i wanted to do from mm-hmm. i just 
I, I never really thought of anything else. I never really, I, I was actually very surprised when I had a bit of the change of heart because I was like, this is what I've always wanted to do. So it was confusing for me as well. I think it was confusing right. for my parents. It was confusing for all of us. We're like, mm-hmm. okay, what's happening here? Because I never really considered anything else. The only yeah. thing maybe would be interior design, which is still within the architecture realm. And um, when you study architecture, it allows you to do interior design without having to have studied interior design, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, um, you would be a bit like overqualified for, to do interior design or to practice interior design. So it's covered within the realm of architecture. That's the only thing I think I'd say I thought about. Uh, maybe partly in my mind, like as a thought, now that I think about it was maybe like psychology or something. I guess, but I never really pursued that as a career option. It was just, I guess, out of interest. Yeah. I think many people consider psychology as one of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Definitely. I think I did as well. But then like when you start thinking about the possibility of getting a job and having a career, especially in Kenya, Mm -hmm. Just like, yes, it's all the stigma. It's, Never it's, mind. Really, it's like it's such <laughs> yeah. an oh yeah, it's such an uphill climb. But I know a lot of people now definitely. I think they would they probably study psychology whilst they're already working, and then consider mm-hmm. that as part of. And I think a lot of like I don't know if this was still the case, but I think I remember a lot of like my friends' moms were studying psychology mm-hmm. whilst they were working. And I think it's definitely such a a particular it's such a good I think skill and good um just knowledge to have under your belt as you're working because you can't get through anything without understanding other human beings um I think in any job really um but just going back to your story when you were you know considering something else what was it like like what was going through your mind with regards to sort of like how do I talk to my parents about this how do you talk to yourself about this you know like mm-hmm. I think I've had those moments as, as well where I'm just sort of like I can only imagine if me just calling my dad like hey you know that you know millions you spent on my education over the past you know my whole life sorry but actually though I feel like I want to do something <laughs> else but I don't know what what was yeah. that like? Um, it was scary. It was confusing. But I will say my parents were the best. They took it really well, surprisingly. And they were like, you know what, we know that you can do whatever you want. Like at the end of the day, you can do whatever you want. And they were really supportive. So that definitely, definitely helped. I would say like even making the jump to something else that that's like one of the scariest things I've ever had to do. Because I didn't know what's what lies ahead i i knew like i'm gonna change careers and everything but i had no idea where i'm going like i told you guys when i got the account executive account management thing me i thought it's accounts i'm like what what is this about so it was it was scary um but in hindsight i would say i think the whatever was telling me that i needed to make the jump was stronger than let me settle in this you know so i was like you know what i might as well just take the jump and it fails and i can always come back to the architecture i already have the degree and everything you know i can always jump back so again yes it did help that i was making a jump once i had graduated with my undergrad so i knew like i have something to fall back to if like this other thing doesn't pan out um yeah it was it was scary but it was worth it in the end 
That's good. And I like what you said that your parents just made it easy for you to go to them. Because, I mean, it's a, it's really a blessing. Not everyone has that opportunity. And I yeah. think the fact that they just understood you're still young and you have your whole life ahead of you. So just, and I like what they said, try it out for a semester. And if you yeah. really, truly don't like it, then let's figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. So they, I, the thing is, so I'd even booked a return flight, like when I mm-hmm. was going. And my dad was like, okay, one, try it out for a semester. But also, like, if it's really that bad, you already have a flight. You don't even have mm-hmm. to finish the semester. You can come back home, you know? Yeah. So that that was, like, the best. And this is both my parents, both my mom and my dad. They were mm-hmm. they were the best. So thank you, guys, if you're listening. Thank you. <laughs> shout out to them. <laughs> shout out, shout out. <laughs> yeah (laughs) love that and were there any other people in your life who sort of laid down that road of um you know trying something or like studying something they think they're really into this career path and then they're just like actually let me take a step back and really think about think about it because I think when you have that mentorship you know having the support of your parents is great but when you have someone you've seen go through it you know whether they're related to you or not is really helpful so is there any anyone like that in your life who was also able to give you that piece of advice unfortunately not so i feel like i was thrown into this you know space that none of us knew how to navigate both me and my parents none all of us didn't know how to navigate this route um so i kind of just figured it out on my own um, I would definitely have loved to hear someone who, you know, was in architecture and was doing something like marketing and something like that. But again, like I said, my parents, I, I guess they've just had a really open worldview. And so for them, it's really um, just focus on what you want to do and follow that path and do well at it. Whatever it is, you can do whatever you want. So yeah for sure that definitely helped even if i didn't have someone else just knowing that i had their support was like everything yeah i mean well now someone has someone to look up to right the person yes who's considering can hear mm-hmm. your story and that's what this podcast is about is just sharing stories because yeah we're not all able to have people like that in our lives or mm-hmm. you know who have very different you know perspectives because um, maybe you're in the same community not everyone has opportunity to go abroad and sort of like hear different people's stories so like this podcast just allows people if they have access to it to hear someone else's story and get inspired and I'm inspired if I ever feel like medicine oh. isn't for me <laughs> yeah yeah totally Oh, Malaysia, man. You guys have really talked it up. Hey, you're still thinking about <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. I'm just like, this Malaysia place. What happens there? That's like, funny way this place. Eh? I know. I'm like, what goes down there? I mean, if you're really considering no, uh, it, I would definitely recommend it, even not just for studying, but career-wise. Mm-hmm. There's quite a lot of Kenyans yeah. I've met who've just come in just to work. And are having the absolute time of lives. I mean, we had Davis on the podcast last mm-hmm. season, and you heard his stories. Whenever I go on Instagram, I'm just, I'm just biting my tongue because I'm like, he's just living his absolute best life yeah. in Malaysia. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you're if you're thinking yeah. about it, yeah. yeah, the answer is yes. If you're thinking about it, <laughs> yes. Uh, was education Malaysia helpful? I know you said you went to them like almost every day asking about the visa. Were they um, generally helpful like throughout the process? 
um, like, would you recommend them to somebody else? So I don't know what it's like now because it's that's mm-hmm. that was like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. But I would say yes, it was helpful. Um, I also joined like I was applying at a really weird time when they were changing. I think the the body that does the visa applications was was changing. They were changing bodies. I can't remember what was going on, but there were some internal government things that were happening in Malaysia. So it did help that I had them there. Um, I think it's not, um, you can do it yourself. You can. I think it's not, um, I'm I'm not here saying that like you have to go to uh, one of these like agencies, I mean, um, education agencies. You can do it yourself. Um, But yeah, I guess this is just how I did it and it worked. So I would say, yes, it helped. It helped. Yeah. Okay, Okay, that's good. That's good, yeah. Yeah, just thinking about as well, sort of like your journey from, because you left Malaysia, then you went back as well. Did you just go Mm -hmm. back to Education Malaysia again? Or did this time, because you already were quite familiar with the whole way things work, the process and the country, do you just go through it again? on your own or did you go back to education malaysia oh yeah so the second time around i went through it on my own i just applied directly through the uni and everything was done that way so which is why i'm saying i mean i'm not here saying like you have to go through one of Mm -hmm. these education um, companies you can definitely Mm -hmm. definitely do it by yourself and that's the second time going to uh, do architecture for my master's and even now transferring from that to now my MBA in project management. I did that all by myself. So, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And what's the cost of living? Like, I know you said it's cheap, um, but is it like, I guess that answers the question. But my other question, <laughs> <laughs> the question would be is, how was... Um, like living like in Malaysia, did you live in student accommodation or did you find um, apartments with friends? How easy was it? Okay, so when I first went, I lived on the off-campus student accommodation, which they just mm-hmm. um, like, um, they have on-campus and off-campus. I chose to live off-campus and they just okay. like, you know, decide who you're, you're in a house. I had my own room, but then I had housemates. Um, so that was for about a year or two years thereabout. And then after that, I then found, um, an apartment, although still with people I didn't know, which was also interesting. So there was a way where you could like just find a room and in a house or in a residence and now live there, even if it's with people you didn't know. Uh, My other cousins were lucky because they all stayed together. The guys I was talking about, they were like housemates. Um, But for me, I stayed mostly with people I didn't know. That was for like another maybe two years. And then now when I was doing my master's, I stayed with friends. Um, still off campus in an apartment, which was really pretty with like a swimming pool, gym, everything. It was like cute, cute. So I missed that. (laughs) Um, yeah, but I was staying with friends then while I, while I did my master's. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cynthia, what was your experience like? No, I was going to remind me about housing in Malaysia, man. That was, I remember when I landed in Sheffield, I forgot how bad UK accommodation is. (laughs) Literally, you're coming from Malaysia, you have a condominium, so it's just a fancy word for like an apartment block. 
um, where like literally my so my building and I think it was the same for you Ivy especially in, um, in Selangor would be like the study four floors that like the 10th floor or something is like a swimming pool gym tennis court badminton court sauna wow. you know and then yes. you have like security it was so nice there's parking everywhere in the middle of the city so affordable by the way and then I came to Malaysia I walked into my bedroom right now and I was just like <laughs> I was just so like I was just the reality was so bad but then now yeah. I'm used to it and I'm remembering about how it was even worse in London and I'm actually really lucky to be where I am now mm-hmm. but just in general if you're not sold in Malaysia yet I think you're about to I'm telling you <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know what's going to sell you <laughs> like, well, this like, is the episode time yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, totally. And then I stayed in a place called Cyberjaya, which is not like in the city city. It's like mm-hmm. a bit outside, like maybe 30 minutes up outside of KL. It's still in Selangor. It's still in Kuala Lumpur, but like a bit outside. And so there's lakes and parks everywhere where you can walk around. It's it's truly like a dream. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's nice when you when people go abroad and have this amazing experience because mm-hmm. not everyone's stories is is like that. So when I hear and then different countries as well, because you know there's the norm of UK, US, but you're like, no, consider Malaysia because hey, my experience was amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, just going back now to your story, are you enjoying your agency work, like working as an account manager? Um, yes, it's very busy. I don't know if you guys have heard about agencies like marketing agencies. They they can get really, really busy because you're ideally what we are. We're like an outsourced marketing department for uh for corporate companies. So like my client has a really small, it's a big company, but they have a really small in-house marketing department and then we do everything. So it can get like super super busy but i think what i love about my role is the agency i work for is nice like mm-hmm. people are really really sweet like my workmates are the best and some of them are even like my friends friends um and then um i enjoy the planning and project management part about of my role so i'm i'm ideally the project manager of like maybe uh, between 10 to 14 people thereabout um so yeah that's the part i think i love the most um and like um it's exciting to just see a project through from beginning to end and now again with my background in doing my mba in project management i feel like right now the pieces are finally starting to come together and even saying like i enjoyed my marketing uh, module the most i feel like um this this unknown that i didn't know that where i was going i feel like now the pieces are finally starting to make sense you know i don't know if this is the end but i know that somehow like i feel like i'm on the right path and i feel like um making that jump was like the best thing that i could have done for myself so yes And wow. isn't that the hey. best feeling? Like when I'm mm-hmm. telling you, when you, when you, <laughs> I think I, I had a similar moment. I woke up, I woke up um, in the middle of the night, and I was just like, I don't know why, 
maybe because I was asleep all day yesterday from my night shift, but I was just thinking, I was like, I can't imagine. Like, I was just thinking about how all the pieces fell together to get me to where I am today. And just like, wow, uh-huh. this is such a blessing. But obviously, when you're in the midst of it, the absolute ghetto, you're just like, yeah. this is so rough. But then when you're finally <laughs> in the place, we're just like, mm-hmm. oh, see how all these things worked out and I'm finally here. Like, I was just thinking about the fact that now I have a salary, now I'm comfortable. And in comparison to when I was like, and I think Adoni, you can relate when we we're waitressing back in the UK and you're uh, doing those like really just horrible menial jobs. Like I was working like a sticky bar and like just doing horrible, you know, just jobs. And I mean, like it wasn't, there's definitely worse jobs to do, but you know, when you're just like, you're really humbled when you start working um, as yeah. an university student. And then now you're finally working and earning your own money, paying your own rent. You're just like, this is like this is it you know so like whoever's listening like stick through it because it will make sense like eventually Mm -hmm. um and when Mm -hmm. that moment happens it's an incredible incredible feeling yeah yeah definitely what i'm hearing is step take a step back and reflect on the Mm -hmm. journey and see is it has everything aligned to where i'm at right now and is it still making sense for me Mm mm-hmm totally agree yeah yeah and i mean i think for me i as you're saying you look back and think you're so blessed i'm like i came to this country this is the first application i made i got that and you know i had no idea what this field is had no experience and then got promoted to now being an account manager from being an account executive and you know thriving in a place where i someone would look and say you have no experience you have no degree in marketing um but yeah i mean just take that step you don't know where it'll lead you but it'll lead you good places even if it's hard in the moment um it'll be rewarding later totally that's good advice and for you, Ivy, when you, because you had a lot of support systems, so your parents, for uh-huh. example, and, you know, being, because I think not everyone has the opportunity to be able to sort of like, just sort of like play with sort of um, the opportunities at hand, you know, from a financial perspective and in terms of opportunities, yeah. and that's a privilege. But were there any things that were potentially in your way, other than obviously the voice in your head that's sort of just like, what the heck? Um, was there anything else that sort of like you had to struggle through and sort of like overcome? Um, I think the the biggest one would be me, the voice in my head. I mean, as you said, I'm so grateful and thankful for the opportunity to have been able to, you know, even take that jump. Um, it's not easy for, it's not like as clear cut for everyone else. I think that in itself, being able to do the self-work that it took to be, you know, to get where I am and even tell myself, you know what, I'm just going to take the jump. The self-work was the work, you know? And when I look at that, that's how, like, that's why I feel like this is so rewarding beyond it even being like the career jump, just the self-work that it took and the telling myself that this is what I need to do. I'll also say like there was a bit of like my faith aspect that had to do with this journey and being like, you know, if I don't do this, I'm I'm just not listening to you know, the, the voice in my head or God mm-hmm. and whatever. So I just felt like that I, I needed to do it. And I 
just had to do it. And um, when I look back, like even right now with any other step or like big decision that I have to make, this is one thing that I always back go back to. Like if I could do that and I am here now, I can do anything, you know, and then taking these next jumps and these next steps in my life don't seem as daunting because I did that and I'm here now and like we're good we're okay so we can do it again and again and again and of course within reason I'm not here saying like you know just keep jumping careers here and there <laughs> yeah. um, within reason but if you really do the scary thing it will become easier along the way it's still hard but easier than the first time so for me it would be the voice in my head and the self-work that it took to get where I am that was the hardest part of this whole journey yeah yeah agreed I think when people hear about faith I think and I was going to ask I mean well I wanted to say it but I, I hate to I hate to make it sound so like spiritual because the people are just like yeah oh gosh, that's so woo woo but <laughs> similar for me with my sort of like journey and um on my on when I had my episode as well I was really fighting not to say God but it's really hard yeah to, when you've when you've done so many things that you know you've overcome one thing after another um but the thing about faith is that I think a lot of people think it's just people don't realize that like faith is an action word more than anything. And sort of it's like mm -hmm. thinking about like if you think about the chicken and the egg, like which one comes first? It's like you have to do something in order to build the faith and to keep building it. And so for you, it's like this one thing of like I'd say for you it was even just sticking with becoming an architect despite other maybe potential things are looking interesting and after that you just keep building your faith and your faith and your faith so you know there's a um saying in the uh, let's see a saying in the bible that's not what it says you know faith as small as a mustard seed can be yeah. mountains and like that's essentially you just need a little bit of faith to mm -hmm. do something and then uh -huh. everything else sort of like start to like fit um fit in Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I and love I that you said that. Go, Gathani. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, and even, you know, having faith in yourself mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really, really powerful. And so just to hear how you put in the work to really just like believe in yourself and to go through that journey, it's so important because it's easy for other people to see the brilliance in you mm -hmm. and it's easy for them to tell it to you but it's so hard to really really take it in yeah and so once yeah. you do you're able to reach your full potential mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally agree and i think what i'd add on is you talked about a verse i would say it's what comes to mind is the one that says like faith is being sure of what you hope for and being uncertain i mean and being certain of what you don't see you know, yeah. just that is what faith is. Just just mm -hmm. go with what, you know, God is telling you. Go with what your heart is telling you. And when, I mean, again, I'm so sorry for bringing this up. Again, I don't want this to be all about that. But when God is really pushing you towards something, he will sustain you and he will make provisions for this journey that mm -hmm. in the moment you can't see, you know. And His 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 will is better than yours. So... Yeah, stick with it. 
I know it's never found yourself. I know. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I was just gonna say, have you ever found yourself like leaning towards something and you're wondering why? Why do I keep going Mm -hmm. in this direction? Mm -hmm. And then later on you figure out it was God's plan. Yeah. 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 And even if you don't believe in God, there's like you said, heart, you know, there's something that's mm-hmm. nudging you towards it, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. For me, my faith is only starting to strengthen the past few the past year or so. But even when I was making those big decisions, there's just something, there's a gut feeling and yeah. when you become more spiritual, then you can, you know, say like this is God. Mm-hmm. Because now you have that understanding. But we all have that sort of like gut feeling. Something is pushing you towards, you know, you yeah. most authentic self, if you will. So it's yeah. just about, you know, tuning in and doing that self-work that Ivy was talking about because you take that moment to reflect, like Adoni was saying, then you mm-hmm. figure out this is what I need to do for me that makes more mm-hmm. sense to me if it doesn't for other yeah. people. Yeah. Wow, guys. I feel so <laughs> <deep>. moved. <laughs> I feel so moved. I'm like, wait, I need to reflect on my life now. <laughs> I feel so moved. Wow. Yeah. This has been amazing. Um, I think maybe it's time to wrap it up unless anyone has anything else to share. No, I think we've oh. covered a lot. Yeah, we. Ha- I can't even believe the hour is over. <laughs> I feel like we've, we've just talked for like 20 minutes, but it's been lovely. Right. It's been it's been wholesome. And I, I hope someone gets something out of this, you know, this journey, this story. Yeah, that's really my hope that someone gets something mm-hmm. out of this yeah yeah thank you so much for being a guest and for you guys out there who are wondering if you want to share your stories ivy actually reached out to me and she's like girl i want to be on your podcast my story is interesting (laughs) and i want to share it and i'm so glad that you did that so anyone else out there listening and you want to Mm -hmm. share your story please drop us a dm we check all the time (laughs) yes we do (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, let us know and we'll be happy to have you on. Um, so Ivy, let's um, please tell our listeners where they can find you if anyone has any questions or you just want to follow your life story. Oh, so you can find me. My name is Ivy Wamba. You can find me anywhere on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I post a lot on Instagram, so you can check me out there. Um, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Twitter, I don't post as much, but my name is Ivy Wamba everywhere. Oh, and YouTube. I had like a baby YouTube channel when I was in oh, Malaysia. Nice. So you can check oh, that nice. out as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll get all the links and put them in the show notes. Mm-hmm, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and I'm going to steal Adoni's question. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we usually like to share what um, we've learned from our guest uh, because we're all about learning as much as we're the host of this podcast and we've stalked mm-hmm. you and we think we know everything. I think by the t- by the end of it, we're just like, we're a lot, we've learned a lot more and we're very grateful for it. So Gadoni, yeah. what's something that you've learned from Ivy today? I know you know her, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've also learned a lot of new things as well today. So it's been really fun and really interesting. What I've learned is, don't be afraid to make that move, mm-hmm. especially if that that voice in your head or that gut feeling is really strong and is really pushing you towards that shift. 
do not be afraid to make it. And those who are around you who want the best for you will support you through that change. So that's what I've learned. It, and it's never too late to make that change as well. Agreed. Definitely. Um, I think for myself, it'd be very similar. And it's, it's mostly to like the very beginning of sort of like your journey when you had to wait mm-hmm. a year to go to Malaysia. And just think about how now I'm in a place where I have to wait some some time in order for something very personal to happen in my life. And it's just reminding myself that I need to just stick through it. And it's sort of, it's not, it's like a sacrifice, but no, of just like more just being patient and just trusting the process. Um, so I would say that was my biggest lesson is that it, a year may seem like a long time, but there's probably other things that you can do in that year you know, and mm-hmm. I'm sure those, the course that you did in that year, that preparation was very essential for you to, in order to be ready to take that step to living in Malaysia, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you guys learned something. And <laughs> you, you learned big things, not small yeah. things, big things. We did. We did. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. But thank you so definitely much for being a fun conversation. Yeah, Aww. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank, thank you, so you guys for having me. Yes, thank you for having, uh, for being on our podcast. We really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, same. And, you know, Ivy was talking about maybe having a podcast of our own before we started, and I think you definitely should. I think you have a lot to learn Definitely. And if you oh, ever want to be on the podcast you. again, just to sort of like hear about how your journey is going, we'd love to have you on mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, hit me up. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I think we should bring yeah. you back. You and Cynthia can have like a Malaysia conversation. <laughs> Inspire us some more. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, it's been really lovely talking to you two ladies. It's been the best. And that girl's trip can be a plan we oh, need yeah. to like side chat about that one yes, <laughs> so we can finally take Gavoni to Malaysia yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right guys thank you for tuning in to this episode uh, we hope you enjoy it um, let us know what you think bye bye take care bye <laughs> Welcome to A Kenyan's Experience, a podcast for Kenyans by Kenyans. In this podcast, we use real, raw, and personal journeys to provide you with the knowledge and the power to demystify, simplify, and make better decisions about your academic and professional future. This podcast is relevant for everyone, anyone, at any point in their academical career path, from high schoolers to uni students to industry professionals, and even those looking to pivot later in their professional careers. Here to Kenyan's experience, we ask the questions you wish you had asked before you started your journey and normalize making bold decisions for you. So tune in every week for an episode that will leave you inspired, challenged, and laughing as Kenyans tell their stories here on A Kenyan's Experience. In this new season, we're introducing a new feature, voice notes, whereby you as the audience will be able to click on a link that will be in our show notes and let us know what you thought about the episode. Any feedback you may have, you know, as far as content or even like technical stuff, we want to improve. So hit that link, record a voice note and let us know what you think.